Regulators, it is good to be back. I have one of our special favorite guests in the studio with me. I missed you last week, buddy. It's the J-Man himself. Hello, Justin Snyder. Good to be back. Sorry about my absence last week. Ready to get into this week five. Should be a good week. Yep. So before we get into uh, our predictions for Sunday and beyond, let's talk about the Thursday night game. Did you watch it? I did watch it. Uh, It was interesting. Shit show central. Yeah, Brady had that blunder. Kind of unexplainable there. Yeah, he became a meme real quick. He did. And... uh, but you know, uh, you know, Chicago played well. Um, Allen Robinson saw a lot of targets. I believe ten receptions, ninety yards. Uh, so it was a good fantasy play there. Yeah, Big Dick Nick was slinging, you know, for a while. And they they said it during the broadcast that Nick Foles is streaky, but he actually is. You know, when you look at that run that Philly made into the playoffs and then to go win the Super Bowl, like when he gets on it. He just he finds that that groove, and you could actually see the interchange between himself and Nagy on the sidelines, where he was wanting to go and use the hurry up and everything, and they had said no, huddle up, and, and this and that. So it's like I think they need to give a little bit more freedom to Nick and just let him do his thing. But that game to me felt worse than the Jets Broncos game, which was a total shit show in itself. You had 17 penalties in that game. It seemed like every other drive, there was a second and 35 or a third and 29. And it was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then somehow the team would get a first down off of another penalty or whatever it was. There was actually, um, the Buccaneers had 11 penalties in that game on Thursday night. And just to give you some context, the Patriots have only had 11 penalties on the entire season. So... The Buccaneers really need to clean that shit up. And that's the difference from, you talk about a Bill Belichick team, you know, who's very disciplined, who's who's not going to make those mental errors, and what they have going on in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, there was a lot of, still are, high expectations for Tampa. Um, you know, with Brady coming into that offense, you know, you, you would assume, you know, first couple of weeks there would be some issues. But by now, you kind of would hope that they would have those cleaned up. Uh, you know, like you said, the Bucks did have a lot of penalties. Um, but back to talking about Nick Foles, you know, it's interesting. You know, did Chicago find, you know, their answer at quarterback? You know, with uh, such a high draft pick invested in Trubisky, um, you know, with them going to Foles and the contract that they gave him was interesting. Yeah, I mean, they spend enough money, so they're, they're hoping that he's going to be the answer. Um, you know, and, and how about Jimmy Graham looked good? Yeah, he did look good. He got into the end zone. That nasty catch that he had. You know, and I would assume, you know, that's kind of going to be his role is more of a, you know, like, you know, their big red zone target, you know, so mm-hmm. when you get to the ball, he's got such a high radius. Um, you know, when you have those tight ends with basketball backgrounds, you know, you want them to come in and kind of catch those jump balls. And, you know, that's what it was. So it was basically a toss up to him. He was able to make a play. And, and, you know, despite the Bears getting the win, one thing that definitely did look ugly for them offensively was their rushing game. The Bears only ended up with 35 yards rushing in the entire game. That's that's obviously not going to get it done. Yeah, Montgomery does need to, uh, you know, to start doing a little bit better. Um, yeah, he had, I think, 10 carries for 29 yards. He got the touchdown, which obviously helped his fantasy owners. That's what saved him there. Yeah, but the, but the average there is just really, really bad. Um 
And, you know, you got to feel bad for Allen Robinson. You mentioned him. You mentioned his stat lines. But, my God, man, if he had... Imagine him with a great quarterback. I mean, the quarterbacks that Allen Robinson has had to deal with his career, somebody released a stat somewhere that just said, like, the amount of uncatchable balls that were thrown his way uh, in his career. And it's just... It's really, really bad. Um, But, you know, talking about the Bears obviously struggled running the ball. One person that surprisingly leaped out on Thursday night was uh, Rojo. You know, um, Yeah, Ronald Jones looked good. You know, when you have 15 running backs injured, you know, someone's going to have to step up there. I know Fournette was in the game, uh, was able to play. Yeah, but I really he, thought that they were going to pound him. Yeah, I think it was just a situation where, um, you know, they needed someone in there. Um, you know, Tampa Bay had... You know, one of their linebackers practicing at running back. Um, you know, so that's, that's how funny. yeah, that's how deep they had to go. Um, Still, probably would have got more yards than David Montgomery. He did. probably more than likely would. But you know, when you have that stable of running backs, you know, it kind of has like a New England field too, doesn't it? You know, they have you know four or five guys that can uh, you know that can produce at different times. And from a fantasy aspect, it is just infuriating to have that New England type situation in Tampa Bay where. You can yeah. never really feel comfortable. I mean, do, would you feel comfortable starting Ronald Jones next week? No, as for- I wouldn't have this week. So, like, for example, the person in our league has Ronald Jones and Fournette. And I would have plugged Fournette in there because I feel like he's supposed to steal that job away because we know Ronald Jones' ceiling. Now, Ronald Jones had 17 carries, 106 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, which is why his stat line in fantasy isn't even that much better than Montgomery because Montgomery got the plunge into the end zone. But I feel like we know what the ceiling is with Rojo. Give Leonard Fournette the rock and and let's see what you know, he can do, and he's got the chip on his shoulder. Yeah, we saw what he can do in Jacksonville. I mean, there's definitely a high ceiling there. You know, if he can get fully healthy and this offense can get rolling, I mean, you would you would expect Fournette down the line to, uh, to be a good fantasy play, but until you see that consistent, um, you know, carries week by week, you know, you're not going to feel comfortable plugging and playing any of those guys in. And obviously the Bucks are dealing with their own injuries as well. Um, their receiving core has been hit really bad. So it will affect the running game long term when you're able to see all of those guys healthy on the field. Um, it was nice to see Gronk get more into the mix. I will say that. I've been pounding the table for them to feed him the ball. But there was one interesting play where I think he ran like 40 yards. You know, he caught the ball. He was running down the sideline. And immediately after he got up, you could see that oh, shit, I'm not as young as I used to be. All right, I need to sub out. Um, that was kind of funny. but I, Yeah, you gotta you got to fully expect when this Bucks team, you know, if they could all come together and get healthy, you know, Chris Godwin dealing with the concussions, um, you know, Mike Evans having those injuries. You know, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, and now Scotty Even Miller. Even Scotty Miller's banged yeah, up, yeah. With, but, you know, if you have all three of them together and healthy, I mean, that offense could be pretty potent. You know, and then at tight end, you know, it does hurt losing O.J. Howard, but like you said, there is a Gronk there. And they're all, great. And there's Cameron Bray. You know, he's always, you know, I feel like kind of like the forgotten man there. Um, but you know, I thought for sure, we talked about it on, on the previous shows, I thought they were going to trade one of those guys preseason, you know. And it's a good thing at this point that they didn't, right? Sure, you know, you got to sure. feel that, you know, Gronk isn't, he's not going to be able to give you, you know, all the snaps, you know, obviously that you'd want from him, you know, it's just kind of be going to be a situation where, you know, Cameron Brait is going to probably get, you know, 35 to 40% of those snaps, if not more. 
Um, you know, so it'll be an interesting situation to see what they do with the tight ends from here on out. Yeah. So I had actually predicted uh, the Bears to lose that game. I thought the Bucks were going to take it, but in a close one, the Bears did come out victorious, and I can take my L's like a man. That's fine. So let's hopefully redeem me uh, and the show going forward into the next games. Let's let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Houston Texans. Is our first game we have up. Yeah, you got Jacksonville at one and three. Um, you know Minshew slinging that ball around. Um, you know, I'll tell you from a fantasy aspect, Robinson. If you were able to pick him up, I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. I mean, his 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 target share as far as how many carries he's getting has been you know absolutely unreal. And you know, they're going against a Houston team that you know, as we all know and we all fully expected, um, you know, Bill O'Brien was fired. Ding dong, the Bob is dead. Absolutely, head coach, general manager, finally gone. You got to assume with a lot of the decisions that he's made, I just did not see him sticking around. And it's one of those situations where a team, you know, can rally and, and create a situation where, you know, you feed off this momentum. You got a new coach, um, you know, for Houston this, you know, for for this week, and uh, you know, I expect Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller and those guys to come out and just just explode. I like Houston. I like Houston big here. You know, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I do expect Houston to win this one easily. Yeah, and I'll agree with you on that. You mentioned James Robinson. He's actually currently rostered in over 95% of leagues, so it's very rare that he's going to be available on your waiver wire, but if you're able to make a savvy trade or or make some moves, uh, definitely a wise investment. I agree. Now that Bob is gone, I think this is one of those games. I still don't see the Texans lighten it up the rest of this year, but I do see that they're going to feel this weight off their shoulder. Like, okay, you know, the, this is, you know, everything's gone, and, and now we can kind of start to work in the right direction. So I think that it could be uh, a little bit of a momentum changer for them. I think that they're going to play really, really hard and try to prove to themselves and to everybody else, hey, it wasn't us. We had bad leadership, but now Romeo Cornell's going to come in temporarily and, and try to get us going. You know, at the direction. beginning of the year, there was a lot of high expectations for, oh, for, sure. for Houston. You know, they were, they were you know, obviously supposed to be a playoff team. Um, I mean, I think, I think some of those expectations got tempered when they traded uh, Nuke for a ham sandwich. That kind of started to question things and how good is he looking in arizona i mean that's that's gotta hurt right now yeah. i mean you take away you know a target like that and you know you, you all you get is david johnson in return i mean that's besides bill o'brien's coaching blunders the general manager's mistakes he's made is just yeah and what will be interesting in this game too is you talk about jacksonville right when jacksonville came out week one and beat the Colts, who were supposed to be pretty good, we started to say, okay, maybe this isn't a fire sale tank for Trevor type of situation. And then they lost, and then they lost again, and then they lost again. So now, going against an 0-4 team who just lost their coach, their GM, yes, there's going to be some emotions there on Houston's side that's going to give them a little bit of an edge, but at the same time, if you really believe that Minshew is the man, and right now Gardner Minshew has a top five completion percentage uh, in the NFL, like he is slinging, he is playing well, um, but the whole team has to come together and say, hey, listen, we're especially, remember, this is a division opponent. So if you're not going to beat an 0 4 
division opponent who's on the ropes, then you really weren't as good as what you appeared you might be, and you're proving that that week one was a fluke. Yeah, I think DJ Shark needs to step up big in this game. You know, Jacksonville's obviously going to have to, you know, control Houston, their emotions. Uh, like you said, from both sides coming into this game, you know, there's there's a lot going here. Um, you know, Houston starting 0-5. You know, I understand they had that that tough three-game stretch in the beginning. Yeah, that schedule was brutal. But I mean, if you ever expected Houston to get rolling, yeah. you know, it, it starts it starts here against Jacksonville. So it's interesting to see. Uh, like I said, I like Houston. I like the over. And, I like Houston big. Yeah, and there and to you know give a glimmer of hope to some of the Texans fans. There has only been one team, but it has happened that started the season 0-4 and made the playoffs, and that was the San Diego Chargers at the time. Um, I believe that they finished 12-4 and that year, if I'm not mistaken. But it is, it is possible, however unlikely. Good stuff, so there. Let's, let's see if Houston can get off the schneid and get a win this week. So the next game that we have to discuss is another division game. You've got the Bengals against the Ravens. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, we got the Bengals at 1 and 2 going against Baltimore who's 3 and 1. Um, you know, I, I like Baltimore in this game. You know, I, I do not see it being a, you know, a high-scoring game, definitely an under situation, but I do think Baltimore covers. Uh, from Cincinnati's perspective, this is this is basically your Joe Burrow telling game, right? You know, you're really going to you're going to see where Burrow is, you're going to see where Burrow stands. Um, he's going to be, you know, facing a tough Baltimore defense, um, you know. But it's a good, it's a good measuring stick. It's a yeah, because right now the love is being showered upon Justin Herbert, and Burrow did get his first win, um, but obviously, you know, he needs to be more consistent. He needs to actually push the ball downfield. Uh, he has one of the lowest yards per completed pass. Yeah, and you would have, you know, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. You know, if you don't have four or five seconds to throw, you know, you're going to be making those short drop-offs. And, you know, I think Cincinnati, you know, going to try to create a situation where maybe Joe Mixon starts off well. I was just going to ask you if you think we see a repeat of I do not think we see a repeat. No, I I do think they're going to try to feed Joe Mixon, try to create some play action, and try to shut and slow down that Baltimore pass rush. Um, but I do not see you know Joe Mixon obviously going off for what is it 155 and a touchdown against this Baltimore defense. Um, yeah. You know, at the beginning of the week we didn't know if Lamar Jackson was going to play with the knee injury, the the stomach bug, I believe. Um, yeah, I, yeah, he I, says he's 100 percent, says he's ready to go. Um, Baltimore is the third best rushing team in the NFL. That's their identity. That's who they are. They don't need to try to get outside of themselves. They have a top 10 defense. They need to just run the ball and and play good defense and they should be able to handle this Bengals team. I agree with you. I have the Bengals over Cincinnati. Okay. So next you've got uh, the Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, we got a, we got a Atlanta starting 0 and 4. I just it, that it's it's tough to swallow. I did not see that uh did did not see that happening. I think this has to be the save Dan Quinn's job game. If you care about Dan Quinn's job as a Falcons player, yeah, I think it, if you go zero and five, I don't know how they keep him. Yeah, with all that talent, you know, I understand they've had injuries. You know, with Julio Jones and you know Calvin Ridley stepped up big, and I, I'm hoping Russell Gage is going to get back on track. Uh, he he looked like he was just 
a gem that they found and all of a sudden you know he was leading in targets and he had a lot going on and then he kind of disappeared in the last game but um yeah, yeah you got you got to i mean with russell gage as a number three if you get julio and calvin ridley back you know it, that's, that's huge yeah injuries have hurt this team um, you know, and again, Todd, it's not like their offense isn't doing anything. No, it's, you know they have Todd Gurley at running back. You know they have Brian Hill at um, at backup running back. You just you would have a lot more expectations for Atlanta. You know they had the game against Dallas, which was a complete blunder. You know they they've had some tough tough losses, and That's those losses do ta- yeah those losses do take a toll on a team. You know. You know, we just talked about Houston starting out, you know, they're 0-4, Atlanta's 0-4, you know, both these teams were projected, obviously, to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how Atlanta stands up, and, and Carolina, you know, losing Christian McCaffrey to bring in a guy like Mike yeah, Davis, Mike Davis has stepped up great. Um, and, and Bridgewater, you know, he's completing 73% of his passes, I think that's the th- third highest uh, completion percentage in the NFL right now, but he only has four touchdowns to three interceptions. He's not getting the points, you know. Yeah, so it's not an explosive offense by any means. You know, they are able to move the ball and, mm-hmm. and you know and play and play decent defense. You know, we saw Teddy Bridgewater, you know, go five and zero, I believe, with uh, New Orleans last year. You know, he was a capable backup there. You know, got the starting role in Carolina, and he is a solid quarterback. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how. You know, Carolina has the uh, you know the potential to get above 500 with the win here. Um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of Mike Davis. I think you're going to see um, Carolina trying to control the clock, and I think Atlanta is going to do the complete opposite. I think they're going to try to be explosive. I think they're going to try to move the ball downfield. Yeah. So this is this is a game where even though I'm picking Carolina, I think Atlanta has the outside chance because of their offense. Because as you mentioned, the Panthers are great between the 30s, but scoring the points down in the red zone that that's where it kind of becomes an issue and we know that Atlanta has the firepower yeah field goals aren't going to win this game for Carolina you know they want to win they're going to have to put it in the end zone you know I I agree with what you said I I do like uh you know Carolina here but I I would not count Atlanta out by any means this this will be a game where we can tell if the locker room is lost because if Atlanta goes out and puts 30 points on the board then you know they're still fighting and they're still fighting for their coach if they look dejected and they just get blown out of the water by this team then you know that it's it's done it's over and Atlanta has to pull the plug agreed so all right another great game that we have is uh Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Las Vegas Raiders now off the bat, a lot of people would say, okay, this is a slam dunk, easy game for the Chiefs. But again, we, we've mentioned it several times, Vegas can score. They are the second best scoring percentage in the league. Uh, Derek Carr completing 73.6% of his passes, which is second in the league. Las Vegas can score. Um, obviously, they have to keep up with Pat Mahomes, which is going to be a difficult task. I'm personally picking Kansas City to win, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't see it being a blowout either. I agree with you with the Kansas City pick. You know, with Las Vegas, it's going to be a game where, you know, you would have to think it's going to be a Josh Jacobs game. You know, they're going to want to come in, run the ball, control the clock. Um, you want to obviously limit the amount of times Kansas City has the ball. Exactly, you, you know, just said Yeah, it. so you, you don't want to increase their chances of possessions there. You know, every, ta- every time they touch the ball, you know, it's always a good opportunity for them to score, obviously. Um you know, they're going to want to get Darren Waller going at tight end. I think you're going to see a lot of balls to Hunter Renfro. 
Um, and like you said, with Derek Carr, you know, he's he's having a good year. You know, when they signed Marcus Mariota at the beginning of the year, were we confident that, you know, Derek Carr was going to remain the starter? You know, we weren't. You know, for and them to... Mariota was hoping he could Mariota Derek Carr. Absolutely, yeah. For, you know, for them to go, you know, for them to be 2-2 two and two at this point and going against a Kansas City team that's 4-0 and oh and, you know, people to at least think they have a legitimate chance, you know, that speaks to Gruden, his, yeah. you know, his coaching ability. Mike Mayock's put together a good team here. Um, I do like Kansas City in this game. I do not think it'll be a blowout. I do think it'll be close. Yeah, and we we had even talked about that in the off season. Is you know which De- Derek Carr are you getting? You know you want to see the consistency out of him, uh, but he has played well. That offense has played really well. They're gonna have their work cut out for them trying to stop the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. But like you said, if the Raiders obviously have a better scoring percentage than the Chiefs, they're they're one of the best converting drives in, into points. So if they're able to do that and sustain those long drives and, like you said, limit the amount of drives that Mahomes and the Chiefs get, then they, they definitely have a chance. Yeah, so. Speaking of the Chiefs, too, I do think this is a big Clyde Edwards-Hilaire game. You know, I, I do expect him to get 20 to 25 carries. You know, He's been consistent You know, for a rookie to go into an offense like this. See, so side bet. So I think if Hilaire gets 25 carries, I think the Chiefs lose this game. Because I think, like I said, the Raiders score at a, at a much higher clip when they have the ball. The longer that the Chiefs have the ball, the slower the drives are, the less opportunities they have. So w- it'll be interesting to see if it plays out the way... I mean, I'm sure Allaire's going to get his touches, obviously. But over 25, you think Kansas City lost? Yeah. All right, I remember th- that world. Yeah. All right. I mean, normally there's that if there's no, 20, I, I see 25 it. carries, like, oh, well, that must mean they're ahead and they're just no, I see running exactly. out the clock. No, but, I, got, I got you. I see so, exactly what you're saying with that. I so agree. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, now, here, here, here's a game that, that just from the looks of it you would think would be an easy game, but I'm, I'm going to let you discuss this game first because I, I think I might – blow your mind a little bit so we've got the Arizona Cardinals at two and two taking on the 0 and four New York Jets how do you see it playing out Arizona beat down simple I really don't see anything that needs to be discussed about this game okay so Joe Flacco is going to be your starting quarterback okay okay and I understand that it's still in an Adam Gase offense right I think this is a trap game I think the Arizona Cardinals, even though they're 2-2, two and two, believe that they're better than 2-2. Two and two. They believe they're better than what their record says. Um, I think they are expecting, like you just said, to blow the doors off the New York Jets. I think that it was scary how close the Jets came to actually winning last week. And when... Uh, Sam Darnold went out, and then you thought, oh, here comes Joe Flacco is going to come in and against his former team, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that Joe Flacco could provide a spark, and I think he's old enough and veteran enough to either play the, oh, sorry, Adam, my, my earpiece went out, just like Rodgers admitted he does to LaFleur sometimes when he doesn't like the play call. So I think that... Flacco might, you know, put his big boy pants on, come to work, and he might shock the world. So this is my upset special that I'm picking. I am taking the New York Jets over the Arizona Cardinals. 
Now, tell me about Kenyon Drake. Is he still relevant, fantasy-wise? You know, it's funny you say that I picked up Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake, I mean, he was projected by a lot, a lot, a lot of people to be a top 10 overall player this year. And if you look at him in carries, he is. He, he just, gets the touches. He, he gets the ball. He's definitely getting the touches. He just does not have the production. And it, with an open offense like that, you know, you, you figure with the run pass out. He should thrive. Absolutely. He should thrive. There is no reason why Kenyon Drake should be this bad in fantasy. Uh, you know, like I just said, I picked up Chase Edmonds. You, you could almost start seeing a situation where these carries start to even out, maybe even go into Edmonds' favor. Um, you want to say, oh, well, it's still early in the season. Well, we're in week five, and they're yeah. playing the Jets. If Kenyon Drake does not get it done here, I think the then panic meter. I think the formats. I think the panic meter goes way up for sure. Now let's talk about the battle of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now this is interesting because the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously ended up with an unexpected bye week. So they've had lots of time to rest. You have Carson Wentz, who still has the worst passer rating in the league. Um, I'd love to try to spin this and, and put some kind of gloss on a turd to where Philly has a chance, but I think the Steelers just absolutely demolish the Eagles. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, Pittsburgh 3-0, and like you said, they've had two weeks off to prepare for an offense that is simply just horrible. Um, Philadelphia, they have one win, and they are tied for the lead in the NFC East. That tells you how no, bad... No, they, they, have, they have sole possession because oh, they I have the us. tie. Okay. So yes, they have, they have a half so, of a win. So, so Philadelphia has... One win, they have sole possession. Philadelphia, sole possession of uh, a first place. Um, Philadelphia's offense... Now, now here's, here's an interesting stat for you. Out of the five worst teams in the NFL at creating turnovers as the offense giving away the ball... Four of them are in the NFC East. Wow. So that entire division is in the top five of worst turnover percentage. And as we know, you know, the turnover ratio is a big factor in, in, in wins and losses. Um, you know, Philadelphia, they have been, you know, decimated by injuries, obviously, and they just, they have no weapons. You know, I this has to be a Miles Sanders game for Philadelphia. I think he's going to have to run the rock. Please, um, fantasy gods, please. I just I need to get my value out of the trade that I made. You know, when they lost Goder, you know, Ertz has been awful. And that's, you know, putting it kindly, you know, you, you put in a, you know, a top three pick, you know, tie, from a tight end perspective for him. Um, you know, so Ertz, Sanders, you know, you got to figure that's what uh, Philadelphia is going to want to do on offense. Um, I, I, like I said, I see this being an easy big Pittsburgh game. Um, I think Deontay Johnson has a big game. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, I'd like to see him come back healthy and uh, actually pick up right where he left off. It doesn't benefit me personally fantasy-wise, but I think they got a great talent there, and I think they're starting to discover the, the ceiling that their offense has. And he has. seems to be a little more favored to uh, Roethlisberger than, than Juju does. You know, Deontay Johnson... Well, and to be fair, I mean, Juju's drawing better coverage than Deontay Johnson. For sure, and that creates a situation where, you know, Deontay Johnson gets that weaker coverage, you know, gets those balls, and, um, you know, it's, it's, I think he is going to be a, a good fantasy play. 
Um, and we'll see what I think this is actually a situation where you could see a James Conner, Benny Snell double play. If you have those guys and you got maybe some bye weeks, maybe you have uh, the Packers or you have some other injuries and, and you just happen to own both of those running backs, I wouldn't be opposed to stacking them, maybe putting Snell in a flex if you really had to. Um, I think this could be a good good game for both running backs. Yeah, I like Pittsburgh in this game. I do not like the over. I do like Pittsburgh, and I like the under in this game. What it, What is the over-under? I believe it's 47. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. All right, let's, let's talk about... Uh, Two teams that are kind of on the flip side of things. You've got the three and one L.A. Rams and the one and three Washington football game. Obviously, we know that Haskins has been benched, and he has not only been put to second string, but he's been relegated all the way to third string and has been sitting and watching in practice. Yeah, I I like the Rams in this game. You know, Washington is great against the run. You know, I I I don't see. Um, I see the Rams throwing the ball quite a bit here. I think this is going to be a Robert Woods, Tyler Higbee game. Interesting. Um, yeah, you know, Washington, you know, they have a good pass rush. You know, they are good against the run. Um, I, I think they do slow down Daryl Henderson. And, um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I like the Rams here. How, like, do, how do you feel Kyle Allen is going to show out? You know, he played well with Carolina. Um, and obviously with the Ron Rivera connection, so sure. he you know, knows that system. Right? You know, I, I, it's an opportunity. You know, it's an opportunity for him to come out and, and show what he can do. You know, unfortunately, it's going to be against Aaron Donald and uh, and that Rams defense. Yeah, that's 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 rough. Aaron Donald is grown ass man. He is. You know, I like I like the I like the Rams here. I like the Rams defense and fantasy. My uh, only hope is that either Kyle Allen does so poor and they're getting blown out so badly or maybe you know he hurts himself mildly and has to come out for a series uh, you, you or two to an Alex Smith I want all I want in life is for Alex Smith to throw a touchdown he is listed as the number two quarterback going into Sunday's game and the fact that he is even standing on a football field and ready to go in and play a football game is astrophonomical. Yeah, after that injury, like you said, for him to even be walking again is amazing. For him to still be on the field is to even, even more have amazing. a leg. I mean, if you haven't seen the documentary, go check out the documentary on Alex Smith and everything he battled through. I mean, the guy almost died. Uh, the injury was so horrific, and he almost lost his leg. And the fact that he's not only walking again, but he's suiting up and trying to get back in an NFL football game, I just I commend that. And I would just I would love to see him come in even for one series and, and throw a touchdown and just like it would be uh, a feel good story. I'd I'd be feeling that pretty good. So uh, I'm with you though. I I take the Rams over Washington easily there. Washington's just in a, in a bad place right now, and obviously they're looking for Kyle Allen to kind of jump them into a spark and, and get some things on track, but I, I think Jared Goff... And yeah, I think it's role. a situation where Washington obviously is trying to figure out their quarterback situation. I think Antonio Gibson gets a lot of work this game. Um, you know, he's produced more and more efficiently game after game um, from weeks one through five. Um, you know, so he's he's had a lot of good opportunities. He looked a, he's looked a lot better. 
you know, that Washington backfield is supposed to look completely different. And, yeah, you know, Antonio Gibson has came in and, you know, he's he's progressively gotten better. Um, you know, they, they, they have some offensive weapons. It's just, you know, it's a situation, like you said, you know, Ron Rivera, first-year coach. Terry the ball. Yeah, Be you know, Terry, Terry McLaurin. He, Lord, Terry. I, I think, uh, but I think the Rams are going to have to throw to win, and I think it's going to be yeah. the Rams. So, all right, Rams in that one. Now, next up, we have something that you know touches us personally: uh, the Miami Dolphins taking on the San Francisco 49ers out west. That is a 4 p.m. kickoff. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? You know, so traveling out west is dreaded. You know, it really is. Um, it's a San Francisco team that is getting a little bit healthier. You know, obviously some guys are still banged up. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be starting this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I got Kittle back. Uh, Kittle back. What was he, uh, 15 for 155 and a touchdown last week? I mean, he was just insane. Um, Brand- M- Mostert, I know, is a game-time decision, but for I, sure. I, I, I feel that he's going to play. For sure. And then Brandon Ayuk, you know, the wide receiver we spoke Absolutely. about during the draft from Arizona Picked State. Yes, he is. He is. He has been solid. You know, so there's playmakers all over the field for San Francisco. And when you're in that Shanahan offense, you know, when they had, um, you know, Bethard and Mullins in there, they weren't able to fully, you know, fully utilize, you know, that entire playbook with Jimmy Garoppolo back in. Um, you know, obviously they are able to do that. Uh, it's tough, you know. Miami traveling to San Francisco, it, it's it's, it, but it, could this not be a trap game for San it's, Francisco? Right, right. You know, does it not have that feel? You know, Miami Miami always competes. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we couldn't say in the past. But no. you know, with with this Brian Flores team, you know, there is no give up. You know, there's been a couple of games that New England won. I think about. Um, you know, where we could have just laid down and said, all right, you know, let's get on to next week. They continue to fight. They continue to fight. And if San Francisco, you know, takes their foot off the gas at all, you know, I could see, yeah, this, being, I could see this being a Miami upset. That's I really the thing. Do. And I, I don't know that San Francisco will take their foot off the gas. Um, but I think it's a situation where from Miami's perspective, again, you want proof that they're not in the same place as they were last week. Absolutely. Last year. Now, obviously, last year they were 0-4. They were get the doors blown off of them. But still, you picked up all these pieces in the offseason. You rent, went through your draft. Obviously, putting Austin Jackson onto IR hurts. That's going to hurt the offensive line because they had been playing so well through the first four games of the season. However, they need to establish that identity, and they need to push the ball down the field because if they don't, then I think not only are the screams going to get louder for Tua, but I think that they're going to be given into. I think yeah. Tua is going to end up in sooner rather than later. See, that, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I almost disagree a little bit just based on what you just said before that, that Austin Jackson got hurt. Mm-hmm. Austin Jackson was playing very well at tackle. Um, and now the fact that, you know, you're probably going to have to bring in a Robert Hunt, maybe put him at right tackle, you know, and you got to start moving pieces around that I offensive figure line. it would be uh, Davenport. At left tackle. Yeah. Okay, and then, yeah, and then, so. yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But I do not think at all that that's a situation that you want to bring Tua in um, until you completely feel confident that that line can at least decently protect him. You know, it's a situation where, you know, bringing him in, you know, you want him to be able to be as comfortable as possible. You want to kind of ease him into it. And, you know, there's no rush. You know, there really isn't. Obviously, we do need to see two of this year. 
you know, he does need to get a couple of games under his belt, and I think it's going to be beneficial. Um, and don't know. get me wrong, I'm not advocating to throw Tua in. I just think that there are certain situations that are evolving that Fitzpatrick needs to, again, push the ball downfield. He needs to make great use of Devontae Parker, who can be a premier wide receiver in this league, but that's only if he's getting the opportunities and not catching a five-yard out or a six-yard crosser. For sure. And you want to see Preston Williams, you know, drawing a little more opposition too, which obviously creates better situations for Devontae Parker. And speaking of Dolphins pass catchers, um, everyone expected a big year from Mike Jacecki. We have just not gotten it. Um, you know, we he needs to, you know, really step it up. You know, it, we drafted him and Durham Smith for that tight end situation. You know, we want to see that lockdown. And so, some of that's on Mike, but... Other parts of that are really on Ryan, where, again, if you go back and you look at the All-22, there's times where Gusecki's streaking across the field. And, and it's just not being and, found. Yeah, and Fitz is dumping it off. So here's an interesting stat for you. So quarterbacks with the most completions of over 40 yards. Dak Prescott has six. Aaron Rodgers has five. Wilson, Brady, and Allen all have four. Now, through week four of the season, quarterbacks who have yet to have a completion over 40 yards. It's only one. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, zero. So uh, there was talk in camp. I know Omar Kelly talked about it a lot. There was rumors that Fitz sometimes looked like he had dead arm. It looked like he, he had lost something on his you know deep ball. And not that he was ever you know that guy that was throwing bombs down. Gunslinger, for sure. Yeah, but... He could definitely push the ball down the field. And so I think when you look at his average depth, the target, and you look at the fact, like that stat I just mentioned, that he's not pushing it at all, everybody knows that. Defenses know that. They study the same stats. They study the same film. They're keying on that. So now when you're bringing everybody up, and the fact that you can't establish the run, it so they're not the worried, field off. it closes the field off and it makes it so much more difficult. Because if you look at the stats, Fitz is actually one of the most on-target quarterbacks in the league. He's top five. But all of those throws are really difficult throws where he's just barely threading that needle because, again, everybody's playing in that same space. And that's why I think the screams for Tua will come more or why the offensive play callers will be saying, listen, we need to open the field up more. We need to maybe give the young kid a chance. Yeah, so that's, an, that's where I can th- see that's that. That's an interesting stat that you bring up. You know, because when those safeties can play closer to the box, you know, it makes things more difficult for the offensive line, which makes things more difficult for the running backs. Um, you know, if you're able to open up that offense, it creates more running lanes, it creates, you know, an easier situation for the offensive line. Um, and nobody's worried about getting beat deep right now. No, and, and, that, and that does create a difficult situation. And with, you know, again, I talk about it all the time, Jakeem Grant being on the field less than any other wide receiver on that team, that hurts that as well. But maybe they don't want him streaking down the sidelines because Fitz can't throw it that far anyway. You know, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there based on what we've seen sure. through four weeks. Um, so yeah, so I'm actually, I'm going to pick the Dolphins for this one because I actually feel that the, the 49ers do have a slight edge, but I think that this is that game, right? Because if the Dolphins drop to one and four, then you start 
having all those questions circulate again, and it's, okay, they're one and four. Where are they going? What's their identity? They're supposed to have Byron Jones back on this game, which shifts a lot of pieces around defensively. So Flores, who is supposed to be the defensive guy, he should have his guys where he wants them playing his football the way he wants to do it in this game. So if you can't keep up with the team who, first of all, is not the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not going to be airing the ball out and blowing you out by 40 points. If you can't defend that team, then you got to really question everything that you're doing there. So I think that this is an emotional step-up game for the Miami Dolphins. I think that San Francisco isn't going to be expecting it. And unlike when the West Coast teams travel here and have to play a game at what would be 9 a.m. to them, we're playing the game at 4 p.m., which is 1 p.m. to us, so I'm not as worried about it. I think the Dolphins get this W. I, I do agree with a lot you said. Um, I, I do think, however, San Francisco wins this game. Okay. But I do not in any way think that they cover the spread, which is nine. I think this game's gonna be oh, yeah. I think this game's gonna be really close. I like that action. Yeah, I, I, I like I love the Dolphins plus nine in this game. I think San Francisco wins, like I said. Um, the fifty one and a half, uh, you know, that's the under over is difficult on that one. I think I would take the under. Um, like I said, San Francisco, no way they cover the nine. I take the under on the fifty one yeah, and a half. Yeah, I'm not go- I'm not going near the over under. I'll let you handle that, but uh I, I definitely take the nine. Okay. So alright. Now, talking about the NFC East, the NFC least. Oh. You've got the 0 and four New York Giants taking on the one and three Dallas Cowboys. Real barn burner setup. Alright, I'm gonna start off on this one. So Dallas at one and three. I mean that that's with that offense, and they're still going to win the division. Dallas is going to win this division, no doubt. And the fact I don't that care if it's at four and twelve, they're the, going to win this. The division. fact that they're one and three, it, it it is a very simple reason why they're one and three. Defense, and and a bad onside kick that they would have been zero and four. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fact that they're one and three, they should be. They should very, be lucky. Absolutely. Dallas's defense is. Awful. Very bad. Awful. Very bad. And you contrast with the offense, who the offense is scoring six or is getting 6.6 yards per play, which is good for third best in the NFL, right? Dallas has the third highest turnover percentage, which you would think, okay, that's bad. They're giving away the ball a lot. But the Giants have first. So you're, you're matched up with the perfect team. And I know it's early, and I know it's only going into week five, but right now Dak Prescott is on pace for 6,500 yards. For people who don't know, the record for yards in a single season is 5,477 set by Peyton Manning. So He is on pace to shatter that. He is on pace to shatter that. Now, will that happen? I don't know. That's, that's something. Maybe if the defense continues to play this piss poor, then yes, because Dak is going to have to score... 48 points to still lose a game. So, I, yeah, I, I think with, with Dallas, with, you know, uh, Amari Cooper out there and, and CeeDee Lamb, I think this offense is going to explode again like they have been. And I don't see the Dallas defense. You know, I, I do see the 
You, the Giants' yeah, offense is awful. I mean, Dan, you know, Dan, Daniel Jones is the second worst passer in the NFL. Daniel Jones, this was his. This was supposed to be his year, right? You know, he, he was he was projected. I think this was supposed to be all of our years. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> twenty twenty just kind of shit on us. Yeah, you know, losing Saquon hurt. Um, you know, when you're bringing in Devontae Freeman to be your starting running back, obviously things are bad. The Giants have no offense. I mean, they they literally they, they have nothing. If and 2020 was a year it, or a team, then it's the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean the Giants are—they are really bad. The I, New York overall with the Giants and Jets has been abysmal. I think Dallas wins this game. I think they win big. I do see it being an over situation. I believe the Dallas spread on this game is what is it, eleven? Um, eight and a half. I, I do see Dallas covering that eight and a half easy. Yeah, that should be an easy. Yeah, um, the under over is fifty four. You know, if the Giants can score a little bit, which I do expect them to at least do that against the Cowboys, I would take the over in this game. Um, and I, my thing is, as you mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones is the second worst passer. Their offense is abysmal. If the Dallas defense makes Daniel Jones look like Patrick fucking Mahomes. Then somebody better not be allowed in the building yeah, on Monday. Yeah, that that, it, that will have to be an immediate. If firing. Dallas can't contain this Giants offense, then I mean, my nephew's five years old and he could play safety better than whoever's back there in the Dallas backfield right now. Yeah, the safety situation in Dallas is bad. There are options out there. You know, a lot of people talk about Earl Thomas. They do have to do something. They, I mean, they have it's, to figure it out. You know, they didn't want to retain Byron Jones. I'm, I'm telling you right now, if they make Daniel Jones look like an all fucking pro, then that that's it for their D coordinator. He he won't make it to Tuesday. Guaranteed. Yeah, fantasy wise, um, obviously Dak, Amari, you know, possibly C D Lamb, um, you know, Zeke. Yeah, any any receivers you have for Dallas, plug and play, baby. Yeah, and then, you know, from a Giants perspective, you know, that Dallas defense is that bad. I mean... Slayton? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you could see a Darius Slayton game. I don't trust any of the Giants running backs. I, I, I could see a 10-point game out of him. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you know Daniel Jones, oh, he was expected to do something this year, and he's just been abysmal. I think losing, we're, we're not upset, Daniel Jones. We're just disappointed. You have so much potential. Yeah, I think losing Saquon crushed them. Yeah. Um, I really do, and I, I think they're going to be one of the teams. But to be keep... fair, even before they lost him, he he wasn't getting anywhere with that sure. offensive line. Yeah, I mean, that it, offensive line is just hot trash. Yeah, it, it's a situation that's bad all around in the Giants. I think Dallas wins this game. I think they win big. I think they cover. Agreed. Handled. All right. So next we have Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns, two three and one teams trying to make a case that they belong and they're going to make a run this year. And you know what? If you looked at this schedule at the beginning of the year and you saw week five Indianapolis Cleveland, you went, meh. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this is one of those sneaky, great games. I oh, mean, yes. this this Indianapolis Colts and Cleveland game is very, very interesting. I think this is going to be a great, great game. Um, this is going to be a game of will. It this really is. This is going to be a game you know, of this, willpower. This, you, have, you have the Cleveland Browns, who are the best rushing team in football. They have 200 yards per game on the ground going against one of the best run defenses in football. Yeah, I think besides the Buffalo-Tennessee game, this is the second best game of the week. Um, that Indianapolis defense has been great. 
Um, from a fantasy yeah. perspective, they've been great. Um, you know, and Clay- they they've needed to be because Rivers isn't lighting the world on fire, but he's doing enough. He's you know managing the game and- for sure. Indianapolis has had injuries. You know they they have wide receivers has been has been a problem. You know Zach Pascal, he's the one who they're hoping will kind of step up. Um, as far as T.Y. You know, Hilton kind of, is MIA. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know. I, I literally dropped T.Y. Hilton. I couldn't believe that I was dropping T.Y. Hilton, but it's just... Yeah, I mean, I think I from nothing. a fantasy perspective, Pascal is the only one on that Indianapolis wide receiver core that you could even maybe say, hmm. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, you know, they, they've they got Kareem Hunt, you know, starting. You know, obviously... Uh, I did pick up Dearness Johnson. I'm leaving him on my bench only because... It's the Colts' defense. He had over 90 yards. I, I know. I, mean, that's, I know. And you know, that and that's what I'm saying. You know, don't fade him if he has a bad game against the. the no, Colts you can't team. because that 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 the Colts' rush defense has been has been great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been bouncing back and forth between this game. You know, all week. You know, it's tough. Um, you know, Cleveland at the beginning of the year. You know, they kind of scared you, but you know now. You know, you're in week five. They're three and one. <sighs> I got Cleveland, man. Do you? I'm, I'm taking Cleveland. I think Baker wakes up feeling dangerous. I think that run game gets going. I think that that game against Dallas, which again, despite the fact that Dallas is now 1-3, and three, Dallas offensively is a good football team. They can put points on the board and go shot for shot with anybody. And the fact that Cleveland went into Dallas and embarrassed them in their building and put that many points on them, that's I, I think they're feeling themselves and there's a difference between a Cleveland Browns team who's maybe two and O or, you know, is midway through the season and is above five hundred. There's a difference between that and what's going on right now in Cleveland. Cleveland is the Miami Heat right now, the NFL. Okay. They believe that that's- they belong. Nobody before the season gave them any expectations to do anything. But the Cleveland Browns are winning games. They are destroying people, and they are feeling themselves, and they are saying, hey, we're here, we belong, and we can hang with anybody. So it's interesting. Uh, Vegas has Indianapolis favored by one. You know, so obviously yeah, that's we, a, that's it's a essentially a pick em, right? Yeah. Um, the under-over is at 47, so that's that's quite low. Um, this, this one's tough. I... I agree with you, though. I do think this is a Baker Mayfield game. Um, this spread at one really doesn't mean much, right? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously who do you think is going to win straight up. And I, I think Cleveland at home, this is a big game for them. This is a big test. I do see Cleveland winning a close one. I think Baker's going to have to throw it to win it. I it's it's. I don't see Kareem Hunt... Um, if their plan is to just simply run Kareem Hunt, it's I don't think. I it's think actually that um, that he is not going to be the the early down back. You think Johnson? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That's I, interesting. I, I think they're actually going to feed him for a number of reasons. One, it's a little bit of what they did last last week when Hunt went out. They still want to keep. I mean, I'm sorry. When Chubb went out, they still want to keep Hunt in his role, and also two. They can't. They can't risk getting Kareem Hunt hurt. So I'm not saying that they're not gonna 
You play see him as a third down back. I, I pass see him as back. a third back, third down back, pass catcher, and you know maybe goal line plunges or something else like that. But I think they are going to ride on the back of Derek Johnson. You know what? It's interesting you say that. And I, actually, you know what? I, I do see that being which is why it's hard for me to leave him on my bench this week. But no, again, I, I, I do see, I do see that being quite viable. I think Darius Johnson does. Yeah, Darnest, I, yeah. I, sorry. I, I, I can see that. Yeah, that's actually very interesting that you bring that up. I did not think about that, and I do like that. I do see him possibly being the early down back, um, you know, keeping Kareem Hunt fresh. You know, I could maybe see that switching, right, in the fourth quarter where you start seeing Kareem Hunt maybe getting in there and, you know, keeping Unless him fresh. Unless the game's out of control. For sure. And then but yeah, Kareem just, Hunt will be on the side. No, I, I like that. Yeah. So, All right, so Cleveland, Cle- Cleveland in, in possibly a close one for both of us. Now, Minnesota, who, you know, only game that they've won this year was against, and at the time, 0-3 Houston Texans. They're 1-3, taking on the Seattle Seahawks, who couldn't be more polar opposites. Seattle's 4-0. They're rolling. Russ is cooking. Uh, Seattle is just destroying people. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? 2020, you would see this. You would say, oh, Seattle at home. Well, you know, the home field advantage isn't what it is, obviously, in 2020 that it was, you know, in the years past. Um, You know, this is a a big test for Minnesota. You know, if Minnesota can can win this game, I think it could turn around, you know, this season for them. Obviously, I don't see that happening. You know, Seattle is just, that offense is rolling. Um, the Seattle pass defense, however, has been bad. Yes, and, the, the and, defense is and, hot trash. And if Kirk Cousins can throw the ball, which he can't, and yeah, you know, it's if they could find uh, Dalvin Cook, it's Dalvin Cook or bust, baby. Yeah, they 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 got to get him out in space. They got to hope that he takes screen passes for seventy yards, which you can do on that Seattle defense, which is insane to say like I still can't For believe sure. we're sitting here talking about how bad Seattle defense is like historically um, but if they do that that opens up the game for Justin Jefferson right yeah. you know if Dalvin Cook can you know can get the early work and can kind of create a good running game um, I think it opens up things for for Cousins and you know get him out the ball to Thielen and Justin you know Minnesota has the weapons right you know they have Dalvin Cook they have Adam Thielen they have Justin Jefferson you know, so they do have the offense to be able to get it done. The question is, can they slow down that Seattle offense? Which it still blows my mind to this day that Adam Thielen, like, paid $500 to go to a regional combine somewhere. Like, he wasn't on anybody's list, you know. no Nobody wanted Adam Thielen. It's that feel-good story. You yeah. know, he, he, there's, there's, there's some of them out there this year, and Adam Thielen's one of them. Um, yeah, this is, I think this I is... Think, I think it's just hard. Whenever you're playing a team whose quarterback is completing over 75% of his passes, which Russ is, that's just, I, I mean, you got... You, that has to be a Bill Belichickian game where you make no mental errors. You play your perfect ball. Everybody is in their position, in their lanes, and I just, I don't see Minnesota having a, and you know a the, shot in hell. The thing unless was, the Seahawks walk in sleeping. Like Yeah, the thing with Seattle, like... Who's their number one receiver, right? And that's a Matt good Cat. situation to be in, exactly. But mm-hmm. other people will say Lockett. You know, it's it, they have two very, very good receivers. DK Metcalf has stepped up big this year. Um, I, I like Seattle. I like them to. Yeah, I mean, you you could catch a pass from Russell Wilson because he's just going to put it wherever it has to be. And, yeah, the ball yeah. placement with him obviously yeah. is unreal. I think uh, I think this is a high scoring game. 
I do like Seattle in it. Vegas think it's going to be a high-scoring game, obviously, with the under-over at 57. Um, Seattle is favored by 7. That seems like a little bit high, doesn't it? Uh, no, <laughs> no. You like the seven. You don't I, think Seattle. You don't think Minnesota. I know that. I know that Seattle's defense is garbage, but it's Minnesota's offense is also garbage. Kirk Cousins is playing god awful. So I think if that game, let's say Seattle was playing, I don't know, the Packers, or Seattle was playing even somebody who maybe isn't that good, but you know is gonna. Let's say the Falcons. Let's say Seattle is playing the Falcons. Then. I, I don't trust the seven points. Because of the Seattle pass defense. Right, with the Atlanta offense. I got you. But with Minnesota's offense, eh, seven doesn't bother me. Okay. So I, I like Seattle. I, I could see them covering the seven. I would take Seattle at home with the seven. The 57 over is... I could even see that too. I mean, I, I do. It's see a tough it. one because because the hesitation is with Minnesota. It's not with Seattle. Yeah. You know, Seattle can put up 35, 40 points in for the sure. Of an eye, but, but you could also Seattle giving up. You know, twenty to twenty five. I, I could see. I like Seattle in this game. I like them to cover, and I like the over. All right, got it locked in. So now we have the Denver Broncos taking on the New England Patriots, and. Try to spin this for me in a positive way if you are a Broncos fan. Oh, I, thank you for giving me the difficult <laughs> part of this. Huh? All right, so <laughs> all right, so you got New England. They're favored by 11 and a half. Uh, you got the Denver Broncos, and, uh, you know, they got Noah Fant, who, oh, no, yeah, no, no he's not playing, no. so they don't have him. Um, they, did, they do get uh, Philip Lindsay back in the mix. So, okay. So you got all right. So spin. I'm this. trying. Yeah, yeah. Spins, I'm trying. All right. So, you know. Yeah. No, right. Listen. How so about Mel- this one? Melvin the, Gordon. The, the Patriots are the fourth highest turnover percentage as an offense. They give the ball away a lot. So yeah, know, Den- Denver likes to play it aggressive. Vic Fangio mm-hmm. likes to get in your face. Yeah, for Denver, this is this is a tough one. Um if you can get Melvin Gordon going, and like you said, Philip Lindsay, you know, create a situation where you can run the ball, um, I eleven and a half. I, 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 that's, that's the spread. Yeah, that to me that that's 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 generous. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's right about you know I, I I could see New England winning this one easy by fourteen. Um, losing Noah Fant hurts. You know, not having that that guy in the middle of the field there. This is a tough game for Denver. I do not see it being close. Now, here's here's the only thing you have to consider, right? So, uh, Cam Newton didn't practice on Saturday. And Belichick refused to answer who would start. And this is obviously a Monday night game. Mm -hmm. And Newton, even though he's asymptomatic, has to get two negative uh, test results um, at least before he's able to take the field and play, et cetera, et cetera. So I believe that Cam Newton's going to play, but in some weird circumstance where, you know, maybe he gets an inconclusive test or then, something yeah, happens, then, and then, then you've got then the, that's a little the different. Stidham show or For sure. whatever's going on. And, you know, with New England... You so know, you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. If, if Cam doesn't play... Um, 
you know, New England, Damian Harris came back, ran the ball great last week. Um, you know, that's... The Pats have the second-best rushing team in the NFL. A lot of people are sleeping on that, and the fact that they've done it with, like, five or six different running yeah, backs. Yeah, with like Burkhead. Even Burkhead matter. had a big game. Sonny yeah, Michelle had a big game. Everybody every- picked up Burkhead on the wire, and then all of a sudden, Sony went to IR, Damian Harris comes back, and then it'll For be sure. the same thing with James White. And that's James why, you, White and that's why and, you never... And they even have the kid from Arizona, too, Taylor. I mean, there's five running backs on New England who at any week... You know, can explode. That's why you never trust a New England situation for running back for fantasy. No, he's the new Shanahan. For yeah, sure. I, I like New England in this back. game. I like New England to cover. Denver has a lot to figure out. The only chance they have is if Melvin Gordon explodes and or Philip Lindsay, a combination of both. Um, Denver's going to have to run this ball, control the clock to win, keep it close. I do not see that happening. I see New England winning. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this will be that New England, hey, you know, we're, we're still here. We're not Don't giving forget up, about us. Yeah, we're not giving up the AFC East just that easily. So they're going to keep the Buffalo Bills looking in their rearview mirror over their shoulder to watch what New England's doing. Um, I think New England has a great game. We talked about how the fewest penalties in the NFL so far, they they play disciplined football. They scheme things up Which well. Which is what you would expect from a Bill right. Belichick. You know, um, Josh McDaniels is having a field day with Cam when he's out there. The things that they're able to do. That run-pass option, right? Yeah. You know, it's created something in New England that obviously they didn't have with Tom Brady. Well, obviously you didn't need it. But, you know, now it's a situation where, hey, you know what? You, you do what works And for that's you. why I remember, you know, Josh McDaniels was the guy who made Tebow look like a fucking pro. And a lot of that run-pass option and stuff like that. So... What he was able to do with such subpar talent, now that he has Cam Newton, it's it's just like... He's, when you have a runner who could throw, yeah. Yeah, it creates creates obviously a better situation. So we, we like New England in yeah. this game. We like Absolutely. New England to cover. Yep. So, um, LA Chargers, New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Justin Herbert has gotten the nod. Tyrod Taylor has some people he needs to sue. Um yeah, that, that well, the Tyrod Taylor—that's a start. That's a situation for another podcast, right? I mean, yeah. you can go into that all day. So Justin Herbert's getting the start here. Um, you know, again, you know, not to keep bringing up Tua, doesn't that create a situation where it's like, man, you know, Herbert's in, he's getting the starts, he's looking good. You know, so I think this is, um, I think this is a game, you know, where Herbert comes out. I think he plays well. I do not see them beating New Orleans. Um, from New Orleans' perspective, does Michael Thomas come back? If he does, that's great. Kind of alleviate some of the wide receiver pressure that they've had on Traquan Smith. Alvin Kamara has just been absolutely unreal. Um, I, you know, from a fantasy perspective, you know, if you got him in your draft, you know, you did. And there was a, there was a little talk, you know, pre-draft about whether Kamara was going to repeat. There was talk about his contract issues. There was For sure. So things. it was a situation where it scared a lot of people off in a fantasy perspective. Um, but I think those smart, intelligent fantasy managers, you know, I think they knew that, you know, by taking Alvin Kamara, they were making the smart pick. Um, now here's a question for you. Are you stacking Latavius Murray? If you ha- Are both of those starters... Or are you are you not as so, sold? With so it's interesting you bring that up, right? Because in our league, I have Alvin Kamara. I do have Latavius Murray. Um, Murray had, Murray's got twenty six carries over the last two games. Yeah, just I, just rushing the ball. Yeah, it, it, it's always tough for me as a fantasy player to stack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you always want to hope. You know, you put in the one guy who kind of takes off. You know, it's. 
Um, but in today's backfield, for sure, and in those deeper leagues, right? We're in an eighteen league, you know, so stacking is a little bit, you know, a little difficult in our league. But in those twelve, sixteen team leagues, do you see Latavius Murray getting, you know, opportunities? Absolutely, um, especially with the how many passes that Alvin Kamara is receiving. Um, right. You know, in PPR leagues, in in weeks one through four in PPR leagues, Alvin Kamara is overall just from a wide receiver perspective. Number five, yeah, the fifth. He'd be he'd be wide receiver five and a and PPR. Is that not amazing? Yeah. But and that, that's the thing is is Latavius Murray isn't going to threaten him for passes. You know, for sure. Catch, and, catching. and to your point, okay, so then Latavius Murray comes in as running back, gets some carries, gets yards to alleviate all that Alvin Kamara pressure. And yeah, I do see that. You yeah, know, I, I think see- in a non PPR league, if you need a flex. I think that I would consider it. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. It. Um, you know, the big question is: Does Michael Thomas come back? You know, fantasy managers who have him, you know, obviously got to be, you know, wondering when are, you know, when they're going to get 2019's number one wide receiver back. Um, it, obviously, it's difficult with the, you know, with the, with this game being later in the day. Um, you know, so I, I I do see Michael Thomas coming back. Do I trust him yet? It's kind of a situation where you want to see where he's at, right? You know, you want to see, you know, you want to make sure he's healthy with the ankle. Um, you know, so I, I think New Orleans yeah, wins this I, game. I, I, I tell you what, the, the whole fucking league has keyed on the fact that Drew Brees is only throwing the ball three yards downfield. So yeah, it's a lot of Alvin Kamara, and you know you are able to hone in on that. Obviously, Michael Thomas opens up the field a lot more. Um, if Thomas comes back, regardless of Thomas comes back, I see New Orleans winning this game. I see them covering, um, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. You know, I think Justin Herbert is a very capable quarterback. Um, the Chargers running back situation, obviously being. What it is uh, with injuries is a little muffled right now. You kind of want to see um, how that plays out. Yeah, and the Chargers' defense is bottom third against fantasy wide receivers. So to your point, if Thomas does come back, it's a feast. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to look to expose them. Yeah. So this is a game about you know whether or not Michael Thomas comes back. How does he look from injury and Justin Herbert's first start? You know, how does he come out? How does he face the pressure? How does he deal with first it? First official start for sure. Right. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of questions will be answered at this game, right? Yeah. So and he has been playing well. I agree with everything you said. I think. The kid plays well. I don't think it's enough to unseed the Saints, but I, I could see it going either way. If if Keenan Allen just explodes and Josh Kelly has a big day, then anything is possible. And it's interesting you bring up Keenan Allen because Justin Herbert looks for him a quite a lot bit more than Tyrod Taylor does, right? Yeah, um, I think Keenan Allen is one of the most targeted. Yeah, his target receivers. share is. That's right. You hear, you hear, Sam. He is one of the most targeted wide receivers. That's right. And I tried to trade and acquire him, but your bitch ass listens to the podcast, and I screw myself in fantasy moves because I give out too much information to people in our league. But yes, Keenan Allen is tops on targets, and uh, he's a. Yeah, and for our view, for our listeners out there, you know, everybody has that one guy in your league that is just the most annoying motherfucker ever. 
you know, everybody's got them. You know, you, you kind of like them, I guess, you know. And, you know, that guy in our league is Sam. Oh, see, I always thought it was you. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, he's an obnoxious Dallas Cowboys fan. You know, obviously grew up in the mid-90s and just picked the one team that was on TV every week. And you He know, does have, like, eight Dallas Cowboys players on his roster. Yeah. Even you know. though every year he's like, no, I don't, I don't do that. I yeah. don't do that. But you know what? He does have a league championship trophy. He does do have not, a league championship trophy. So the Buffalo-Tennessee so. game is one we're going to talk about next. All right. Yeah, let's get into this. This will be interesting because we're going to have Tuesday night football. So, Which is very exciting, yeah. right? You I know, mean, so we're going to have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. You and know. if you ever expected a Tuesday night game, would you expect two undefeated teams? You, you would figure this would be like a... Oh, I'm loving it. Like an Eagles-Jets game, I'm right? All, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. So you ready for this? Do you know who leads the NFL right now in um, game-winning drives? Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill. He has three game-winning drives, and he's only played in three games. So going Does up that ag- not hurt? Go- going up against the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, who is slinging it and shutting up all the haters. He is balling out this year. Um Tennessee has the third best scoring percentage in the league. They score more than 50% of the times they have the ball. So I think from Buffalo's perspective, they want to limit the amount of times, like we talked about with the Chiefs, they want to limit the amount of times that the Titans get their hands on the ball because you know that they're going to score at least half the time. And Buffalo, I think, is just going to let Josh Allen cook. I think he's going to do his thing. I hope that this is a really, really good Tuesday night game, and I I, I hope we get a great matchup. I think that Buffalo comes out victoriously and moves on to 5-0. Yeah, so this this game's interesting, right? So I believe in most situations, uh, as far as Vegas goes, this game's off the board, um, meaning there is no point spread, there is no under-over. I don't know if that's maybe changed in your individual betting sites or... um, you know, so with this game being as fluky as it is, being on a Tuesday, um, you know, there's from a betting perspective, there's really not much to go on. Um, you know, but you have two two quality teams, like uh, you know, like Waldo just said, Josh Allen is playing lights out. Um, I mean, he has been really, really good, right? I mean, from a fantasy perspective, top five quarterback. I don't think you had those expectations going no. into the year when you drafted him. You know, if you did, you probably... Again, we talked about the inconsistency monster. That was his bugaboo. For sure, yeah. The ball's downfield, right? Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't able to complete those long passes. Um, you know, but now, you know, you know, with Stephon Diggs and them being able to get the ball downfield, you know, it's it's been big for them. Um, you know, Devin Singletary's been capable. And what's ironic is I need this game badly because I am both a Stephon Diggs owner and a Derrick Henry owner. So last week I got the impromptu buy with Derrick Henry and I subsequently lost. But this week, with the game up in the air and we were like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? When you had 20 plus people uh, test positive for COVID, it looks like the game is going to happen on Tuesday as we speak right now. So I may have a lot of skin in that game actually to try and win fantasy this week. Yeah, and I think... I think Tennessee has a good chance in this game, and I do actually see them winning. Um, you know, I do see Buffalo taking their first loss. I think this game is extremely close. Yeah. I mean, one to three points tops. I don't see it. I don't see it getting crazy. I don't see it. Yeah, um, I mean, you've got two great football teams, um, two disciplined 
football teams that are playing great football, both undefeated. So hopefully it'll be a good game, but this isn't something that's like... Yeah, the only thing with Tennessee, this isn't your normal we've had two weeks off to prepare game, you know, with everything going on in Tennessee. Yeah, they yeah. haven't even been in the building. So. Yeah, so that, you know, that that obviously is another situation. And I think that's why there's no betting lines. You know, this game is so yeah. fluky with it being on a Tuesday. And that's um, where it's different from Pittsburgh, right? Because Pittsburgh, we talked about them having the extra week to prepare, yes. but they weren't locked out of their building. For sure. With Tennessee... They had to go to a high school. They, yeah, they, then, yeah, yeah, they literally... They, and, and let's talk about that for a second. You know, this is our last game here we're covering, but the Titans are going to be in some deep shit here because not only were they all of a sudden having this huge breakout of COVID, but the league said, all right, your facilities shut down, everybody stay home and isolate. And what did they allegedly do? They went to a high school practice field or, or football field and started holding practice and everything and then they're continuing as this is happening every day more positive tests more positive tests more positive tests and it's like it's the created. nfl is going to come down so hard on this and the nfl has to right i, I really legitimately believed going up until a couple of days ago that they were going to make the titans forfeit I, I did because too. you saw that goodell actually held a press conference and he put out some new guidelines to all the teams that l listed what some of the disciplinary actions would be if you violate what the league is telling you to do, and one of those included forfeitures of games. Now, I think the reason that they didn't have them forfeit this game was because they hadn't put that language in there before, so they can't kind of retroactively go after the Titans, but they will be disciplining them very hard in, in some sort of way, whether that's through fines, draft picks, I'm not sure, but... The fact that they will protect the shield over everything else. And I've gotten into some debates with people online on Twitter who said, well, you can't forfeit a game, and how is that fair to this person? Let me tell you something. If any team puts themselves above the shield and jeopardizes the season to happen, the NFL will cut you and not even think twice. They will end your life. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 100%. You know, Tennessee put themselves in a situation where it's basically like, you know, they only cared about themselves, right? Um, it, you know, the NFL has done, I think, phenomenal, phenomenal work in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. They they could not create a bubble. Right. You Doesn't can't, work you can't create a bubble I'm not that even big. going there. Exactly. I'm so over the people that still trying to make Exactly. That You're not creating an NFL bubble. It, it's, now, I, I will say, though, you know... Um, one of, one of the uh, podcasts that I actually like listening to, uh, Therese Paler and Charles Robinson, they, ha they have a podcast that airs as well, uh, Yahoo Sports, and they talked about a situation where you potentially create a playoff bubble. Once, once the teams all get to the playoffs, you basically just isolate that team near like a hotel near their training facility and they, they stay in a little isolated bubble until they're ready to fly to the game or something like that. And well, even like, as you get to the last couple of teams, like th things like that are easier. And that, that, that I, can, I can see. But to your point, the entire bubble of trying to bubble 32 teams and like impossible. 10 fields that yeah. are going to take multiple games, like it's just, just stop. I don't have But like what you it. just spoke about is kind of what the MLB is doing now. Right. You know, they got, you got teams in Texas, you have teams in California. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you do try to create that bubble because when the playoffs come, is there anything more important than protecting the integrity of the game at right. that point? No. You know, obviously it's important now. 
Um, you know, but but logistically, it's just not possible. For sure. You know, so it's a situation where Tennessee created an, uh, an issue for themselves, um, created an issue for the league, created an issue for other teams. Right? Yeah. Pittsburgh was, you know, they they were. You know, they followed the rules. They did everything right. But, hey, you know, they still had to deal with this situation. You know, there's talks about possibly about a week 18. You know, and all this is be created because, you know, of not following the rules. You know, obviously, you're going to have times where people get exposed to yeah, it. Yeah, someone's going to come up with a positive. Sure, while still but following the rules. when they say, okay, you know, sound the alarm. Like, everybody go home stay, so that we can play next week so that we can do this. Yes, um, you do not yeah. mess with the money, no. right? You do not mess with the money. You do not jeopardize it. Um, one other interesting thing that I've heard, and I want to bring it up, is with Buffalo and Tennessee playing on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. um, I know that NFL.com has actually moved their waiver wire back a day. Oh, Have you heard about this? No, I hadn't. So as our league commissioner, That's I wanted right. to, yes, I wanted to bring it oh, up to you. you put me on the spot. Well, not put you on the uh-huh. spot, but it's interesting to think about, right? You know, usually, Absolutely. usually your waiver wires on. You, you do your waiver wire picks on Tuesday. You wake up Wednesday morning. I'm, and you go, I'm Fuck. sure. I'm sure that our league will be the exact same. Okay. Like I, I'll look into it as soon as we get off the air here. But it's I'm, interesting, I'm right? Sure. How it how it changes yeah. it because obviously you're not gonna you know if you're if you're gonna take a. Uh, Bills or Titans player. The only good thing is that tentatively, remember next week's Thursday game is being pushed to Sunday. For sure. So you know it's not like you have a quick, quick turnaround. So time I think between I, the Wednesday yeah, I think that's Thursday, a situation so. where you know that's something everybody's got to you know maybe be mindful of. You mm-hmm. might not know that. So there you go. Yeah, interesting. Good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. So um, you have the Titans, right? I'm taking the Bills. We'll see how it plays out. Should be a good game either way. And Tuesday night football, you know, spouses all over America will be very happy that uh, they may be losing their significant other for another night of the week this week. Absolutely. But I'm excited about it. We hope that you guys are all staying safe and uh, enjoying life the best you can in 2020. The flaming pile of shit floating down a river of turds that it is. Um, But, you know, God bless all of you for listening to our podcast for following us on Twitter. We are doing a giveaway right now, currently on the site. We've got some more big giveaways coming up in the next couple of weeks. I appreciate, Justin, you know, any any time that you can stop by. You know, definitely missed out on having you last week. I appreciate you having me on. I am 4-0 in fantasy right now, looking to go 5-0 next week. Just wanted to make sure everybody heard that. And 0-7 in championships. Yeah. I, sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm yeah. undefeated right now. Yeah, that's right. So, anyways, hope you guys are all doing well in your fantasy leagues as well. If you have any fantasy questions or you want to hit us up, remember you can find us on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. And we appreciate, again, all the love and support. You know how we end this show every single week. Hope you guys have a great game week. Tennessee, stay in your bubble.